The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It is great to have you along with us. And today, we're going to talk about ethical non-monogamy, the likes of which you've never heard it before, from somebody who's that kind of human and this kind of girl. Rosie Kay is the girl behind this kind of girl. She's a non-monogamy and swinging lifestyle coach. In her blog articles, community workshops, and social media, she attempts to banish the stigma and myths associated with non-monogamy, who swingers are, and what they enjoy. She's here to help people talk about their sexual needs openly so they can have meaningful, satisfying relationships built on trust and honesty. Her mission is to banish the stigma about ethical non-monogamy and the swinger lifestyle. So sit back and dive deep into ethical non-monogamy with this kind of girl, Rosie Kay, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever thought about non-monogamy? Um, so the first time I thought about it was when it was an uncomfortable, um, it was an uncomfortable thought process. I was in a relationship with a man um, when I was much younger, and I knew that I identified as bisexual, but I didn't know how to. Um, I didn't know how to bring that to him. I didn't know how to um, bring it into fruition, if you like. So I have the thought about it. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to jeopardize what we had because I enjoyed, uh, you know, I, I loved him. I, I loved being in a relationship with him. But I, I didn't want to jeopardize that. But I knew that I was wanting something more. And that's when I thought of is there a way around this? Is there a way that I can facilitate my bisexuality? Is there a way that I can have the best of both worlds? Um, but at the time, I didn't have the confidence, the knowledge, the expertise, anything to even verbalise that. You know, I was absolutely terrified. But that's when I first thought about non-monogamy. 
first time you ever met someone practicing ethical non-monogamy and what was your thought when you did? Um, the first time I met a couple who were practicing ethical non-monogamy was the first couple that I swung with because prior to meeting them, I hadn't really been exposed to anybody else. Um, I came and come from a very monogamous background, very traditional background. So, and growing up, there was nobody who was even, there's nobody bisexual, there's nobody openly bisexual, there's nobody who wasn't monogamous straight, as far as I was aware. Um, so actually the first exposure I had to it was the people that we met uh, that I swung with, which was kind of like going into it head first. Um, I mean, there were people online because I joined a swinger website and mm -hmm. had a little bit of a chat online, but in terms of like actually meeting people face to face, it was that first couple. How scared were you when you realized the first time that you may be bisexual? Uh, very I'm very scared. Um, I was about, I was a teenager, um, which was, which is a terrible time to be alive. It's terrible. I mean, nobody, nobody really enjoys being a teenager. They think they do in reality. It's fucking awful. Um, <laughs> so I, I just discovered my vagina um, and all the, all the wonderful things that it could do. Um, and then I realized that, you know, oh my God, I think I like women. I do like women. Does this mean I'm gay? Because although my parents are open-minded and supportive, the community I, I come from, you know, I, I would be the only gay in the village type thing, you know. So that was a huge concern to me. Um, I was about 16 or 17 when I realized. Um, and then I kind of saw there were like celebrities in it was like Amy Winehouse who who music I enjoyed and I kind of saw her and I I liked her look I liked her music and then I realized that she was somebody who who was saying that she was openly bisexual and that was something that I kind of connected with um but when I actually realized it I was absolutely terrified because I still associated being a lesbian or being gay as something very negative um so, and I, I, yeah, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I, I kept it to myself. And then I, I did share it very gradually with people. Um, but it was a very scary time for me. Describe the first time you shared it with someone. Um, I, the first time I shared it with other women, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have done this. Were women who I knew were who were gay. Um, because at least they understood. Um, because in, in my kind of peer group, there were a few people who were openly gay. There was like one guy and one girl who were openly gay. Um, and I, I did share it with her um, that, you know, this is this is how I how, how I was feeling, what I was doing. But I was really frightened. Um, and I remember the first time I shared it with a boyfriend um, and I just remember his eyes lit up um, and he was kind of very enthusiastic. And I think, sadly, what happened was I then associated 
being bisexual with being sexualized for men mm. um and that association and well this is what men want and if i tell men this they will like me more you know and al almost that performative bisexuality um which is something which i absolutely hate um but at the time i was you know 17 18 and i was desperate to be popular and liked by boys and wanted to date and wanted to do all these things so i ran with it first time you realized that this was something that you wanted to make public for everyone to the point where you wanted to be that advocate in their corner um when I started this kind of girl, um, because a lot of people, men and women, get into ethical non-monogamy and swing a lifestyle because they identify as bisexual. And if you are a bisexual person, and I'm gonna use the word trapped in a monogamous relationship, monogamous marriage, as many people are, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to lie to your partner and pretend or to kind of, knock it on the head and say oh you know well I won't you know I won't do that I respect your wishes and I won't do that I know what that's like and when I started this kind of girl all that old thought process went out the window and I knew that being this kind of girl meant living my truth living my life the way I wanted it and also in order to connect with people and to engage with people and to resonate I had to be open and honest um, and that's that's when I, I started being very open about who I am and what I enjoy. And when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we'll take a deep dive into how this kind of girl helps those kind of humans when we return. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think. 
and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Rosie Kay, also known as This Kind of Girl, who has some coaching and some programs for people who want to explore the swinging lifestyle and ethical non-monogamy. You say a large part of the journey begins and starts with acceptance. Mm -hmm. When does acceptance become embracing? So for me, um, yes, a large part of the the journey towards ethical non-monogamy, it does start with acceptance. Acceptance that we are slaves. Some people have argued with me about this. Slaves to our human nature. We are mammals who are put here to procreate, to find shelter, to find food. Um, And sometimes the uh, natural urges that we have is just our bodies responding to our natural animalistic instincts. Um, Sometimes when we try and place all of our sexual expectations on one person, on one partner for the rest of our lives, it becomes very unrealistic for us. Um, So I think acceptance that it's okay to want to have sex with other people. It's okay to want to have sex in front of other people. It's okay to want to be watched having sex because um, in society, we are taught to grow up, find a partner, live monogamously with them and have sex with them to create babies with them behind closed doors with the lights off under the duvet. And that's what we do for 40, 50, 60 years. And that's what pretty much everybody does and has done for the last few hundred years. But if you accept that actually that's a very unnatural way of doing things, because society has progressed far too quickly for our human nature to catch up with it. We are still living, you know, we haven't evolved that far yet, but society has progressed far too rapidly and the two for me I believe the two things are so out of balance so if you take a step back and accept that you are simply responding to your body's natural urges that it's okay to want to have sex with men and women and it's okay to want to have sex in other settings where other adults are with other people um, then I think you'll find I hope you find life to be a lot more enjoyable experience for you instead of constantly denying all these things which go through your mind. It seems that it almost starts and finishes with the fact that people have this expectation that everyone should be normal. Mm, mm -hmm, For sure, for sure. But then, you know, you have to think, I don't want to go into too much deep into this because I'll just start ranting. But and that's why, perfectly fine. That's why we have uh, all but, you this know, time. The, the whole concept of uh, monogamy and marriage um, and those um, 
construct you know they were put in place for a reason and over the last I'd say 50 years or so they have started to decline because we don't need them anymore um, and I think people are just realizing that if they embrace their sexuality and human nature instead of fighting it instead of constantly trying to be normal instead of constantly trying to be pigeonholed into that little box that society has dictated they need to be in actually if they just stop fighting it and start living a more natural life as uh, mammals do I mean think about how many mammals you know are monogamous pretty much none hmm. we are only mammals we're not any different to you know rats cats mice <laughs> we're, we're really not once our basic needs are met we're not any different essentially um so I, I just think that um yeah, for sure. Like society, you know, it just tries to dictate what's normal and what's not. And that fits. It's that that is in place for its own reasons. I have to admit, uh, Miss Rosie, that I am monogamous by nature. Mm -hmm. That is just uh, I'm a 59 year old cishet, uh, cishet male who had, was born in the 60s, lived through the 70s of free love, which was the original polyamory, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and then have seen society as it's grown up. And obviously, I had a 20 plus year marriage that was totally monogamous. However, since I have gotten out of that marriage, I have seen that the definition of so many things that we have put into place, gender, orientation, monogamy, non-monogamy, it seems to be a time when we are having this renaissance of what we can believe can be, I'm not going to call it a new normal, but just what is. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. I think, um, so I was in an event recently on uh, Friday, actually. And they said, I was asking the event organ, I was reviewing the event and asking the organizers, you know, how do you work out tickets, allocation prices, all these things. And they said to me that they no longer allocate tickets by gender or couple. They do it by individual person being. Um, because again, there's a lot of in 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 my world there's kind of like well are you a couple are you a single guy are you a single woman and and there's different price structures and you get penalized for whatever's between your legs essentially and uh there's a new kind of way of thinking that okay it's just about that person being present there not about who they're sleeping with what's between their legs what they like to do um what what their relationship structure is so yeah for sure it's definitely heading that way. You talked about gender structured pricing, and that is something that I have become aware of because uh, with COVID happening and a lot of kink spaces closing down, swingers clubs and lifestyle clubs have opened up fetish nights, but they are keeping the gender pricing on it. And so those who are single males who want to engage in a fetish night, 
aren't necessarily going to try to sleep with everybody. They're trying to engage in a fetish night are penalized for Mm. what's between their legs. But I am going to say this. There are many males and there are some females as well who have unfortunately made it so difficult for others who have good intentions by their own actions. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand why the gender pricing exists. However, I think it's literally painting everything with a broad brush saying single males are after one thing Mm -hmm. and that's it. Oh yes, for sure. For sure. And it is, I mean, I'm, I'm the same camp as you and I see, I see it done differently. I see clubs who charge, you know, three times as much for a single guy. And then I see clubs who will say, well, it's free entry for women. Um, and then I see clubs that say, you know, they don't charge more for men, but the men have to go through a more rigorous um, application process which is probably a little bit more suitable, um, although they have, or sometimes they have to kind of sit down with the host before and meet them and have almost a, an informal interview. Um, and, and that's it. So there are other ways of doing it, but it really does. I, I understand why the clubs do it, but it is discouraging when you see like a single male ticket, 90 pounds, couple 60, single girls, 10 pounds or free. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't fair because not all guys should be tarnished with the same brush. And a large part of my work is educating single guys on how to be the type of guy that clubs want, how to be the type of guy that couples want. Um, And also educating club owners and other members of the swing community that not all guys are the same, that you can take take a risk and let more guys in. And it is worth investing your time and your effort into guys because actually they're not all the same because that stigma is on both sides. Um, you know, club owners do carry a lot of it towards the single guys. So I think it's about educating everybody. Education and communication can solve so many problems in life, especially when you talk about the vetting of anybody, whether it be a single male or anyone. And I think that there is some validity to trying to vet people who are coming into anything because safety is such a big part of what we what we believe in these days, especially with so many people who uh, need to feel safe or have suffered trauma in their life to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing I would say is that I used to swing as part of a couple and I was in a long-term relationship with somebody. And I relied on him so much for safety when we were in the lifestyle. I relied on him for, you know, what do you think about this couple? And also physical safety as well, when we were in clubs, when we were meeting people, meeting single guys. Um, I relied on him for that protection. And then obviously kind of somebody else to talk to and discuss things. And then when I made that transition to going uh, into the swinger world alone as a single woman it was incredibly daunting um and my my heart does go out to other single people and other single guys because again people automatically think that well if the single guys there it might not be safe 
if the single guy's involved, you know, who knows what they might do. And it's a shame that they get tarnished with this brush again. Um, but I think safety and being safe and being conscious is something which is so important when you're discussing, not even when you're kind of getting down to it and in, in the middle of something, uh, even just when you're meeting, uh, you know, other people for a vanilla date or a meetup or a social, um, you can never have too many conversations about what's going to happen and what you enjoy. For me, the biggest thing is like talk and talk and talk about it. You can never have too much. And it's to me, yes, there are certain sexual aspects that that are involved, especially when you're talking about uh, a sexually charged environment like many lifestyle clubs are. But a lot of people are just looking for that connection, yeah, looking for that special feeling that they are enough and that somebody else finds them to be enough. Yeah, for sure. Um, I find this in one reason that women, uh, so okay, so women get involved in swing lifestyle and at first they're quite hesitant about it, but when they realise that actually they are desired by a lot of the other men in the room, not just their husbands, but a lot of the other men, and they suddenly, from a woman who has been previously monogamous and has only been told she's beautiful by her husband, to suddenly being told she's beautiful by all these other admirers, by men and women, regardless of whether she's gonna play with them or not, and she's made to feel good, and she flirts, and people flirt with her, and she's sexy, and oh my God, suddenly, after 15 years of marriage, other people are telling me I'm gorgeous, fuck yeah, I am, look at me. And that's the realization that's, and not just women, but men have it as well. But for women, that's something I just did not realize because for me, it doesn't matter how many times my long-term partner tells me I'm beautiful, I'm gorgeous, to hear it off other people, is such a huge boost, regardless of whether you're then gonna go and have sex with them or engage in anything, doesn't matter. But just to hear that and to hear it in an environment that it's okay for you to hear it and it's okay for them to tell you and it's okay that your husband says it's fine. It's an amazing feeling. Um, and that is one reason why so many women enjoy the lifestyle. I'm still and taken aback when somebody says, John, you're handsome. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> But in my kink lifestyle, especially some of the fetishes that I have, it's, uh, and, and to me, it's about being desired, about being that person that some woman says, I desire, <laughs> I desire to be with you because you are all that you are. Mm -hmm. So it does go both ways. And I, I think people miss that every now and then. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I think, again, it comes back to what society has dictated for us to be normal. We are taught, don't look at anybody else. Don't flirt with other people, you know, and then when you're walking down the street with your husband, you see him looking at somebody, and you say, were well, you looking at her? And you punish him for checking out another woman and the guy can't help it, you know, because it's what he's pre-programmed to do. And chances are she's going to be looking at another man. Um, and to suddenly have that acceptance and have that awareness that actually, you know what, we can do this, we can look at other people, and it's not going to jeopardize anything. Again, it's how we've been pre-programmed by society. We've been told, you don't do that, you're married, your eyes are like this, you have blinkers on. So, um, yeah, it's a huge uh, realization that many people have.
Do you think it comes down to the fact that people think there is a finite amount of love in each person where if you give love or attention or affection to one person, it means you're taking it from another, as opposed to being able to genuinely care for so many around you? I think that for me, Personally, I think it's very threatening to, for, it's very threatening for people to get their head around that actually their partner's love isn't all for them. You know, we're very selfish, I believe, as humans. We're very selfish. We want all of his attention. We want all of his time. We want him to dote on us and give us attention. We are needy creatures and, and men are like it as well, women. We don't want her to stray off or talk to someone else or give her, you know, her womanly skills to somebody else. Um, you know, we don't want that. And I think it's very threatening for our partners to accept that um, we may, we, you know, we may form feelings, we may form attraction, we may form desire for other people. Um, and to be honest with you, although I am ethically non-monogamous, I enjoy it, relationships are swinging, polyamory and loving other people is not something I participate in because I myself mm -hmm. struggle with it. Um, I've tried it because I wanted to find out what it was like. And to be honest, I do struggle with that. Um, I've been in relationships with people who we've been open with each other and they've gone off and had other interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. But for me, loving other people, it's not something I can do, but I do understand why others do it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I just think as, as people were very selfish and it's very, it's very threatening to, to a relationship. So let's talk about teaching people to be comfortable with this. You said over the last 10 years, you discovered how to navigate the swinger lifestyle and overcome the many obstacles and difficulty to the point where you can confidently say, I know a lot about ethical non-monogamy and open relationships. Let me teach you. Mm -hmm. Where does one start? <laughs> so the first step I always say to people, let's say it's a couple. The first step I would say to a couple is so couples come to me thinking I'm going to teach them how to go to a swinging club. I'm going to teach them about the world of swinging. I'm going to teach them how to kind of get down and say with another couple. I do, but all in good time. The first step I always say to people and the first thing I teach them is let's start from a place of vulnerability. Let's take, let's not even think about swinging. Let's start talking about having open and honest conversation and get comfortable being vulnerable with each other because if you can be vulnerable with each other about sexuality about desire about what you do and don't enjoy in your relationship in your sex life about fantasies you have and you know perhaps a few urges which you haven't really shared then if you can do that with your person who you've chosen to be with then I'm telling you now the sexual world is your oyster because mm -hmm. that person already loves you you've already probably got married built a life together had kids whatever it is you already are invested in each other and then if you bring this openness and this vulnerability you just open up this platform and suddenly you realize that they accept me 
not just because I'm the mother to his kids and I'm the wife and I'm the homemaker. He accepts me because I have my own desires, my own sexuality, and he's not going to run off when I share them. He's not going to get upset when I say about wanting to be spit roasted or, you know, visit a street <laughs> club or, or visit a, a, you know, be part of a, a dom sub dynamic. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But whatever it is, this person accepts me and I accept them. And, you know, we've shared. And that is the very first step. Um, and again, it's that acceptance, acceptance of sexuality, of human nature um, and accepting that it's OK to look outside. It's OK to want a little bit more. It's OK to go against the grain. Um, and that that's the very first step in how I teach people. How do you get over the sheer terror of sharing that with someone else? Because I, I will tell you that I'm in the dating world right now. Mm-hmm. and because my my kinks and fetishes go back to when I was a little kid um, and I don't know how much you know about me but it, it's it basically goes back to the fact that my scene name is hi there catsuit and my first sexual experience came from looking at a woman wearing a wearing skin tight clothing mm-hmm. and that was ingrained in my brain now at age 59 you go on a date and you'd like this to be a part of what you're doing, but you're going, I don't know if I can tell somebody else (laughs) that I like wearing cat suits and I like them wearing it too. How do you get over that terror? (laughs) Okay. So for me, um, this is something which, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a catsuit enthusiast. Um, <laughs> I have my, I have my own desires and things I enjoy. So I do understand where you're coming from. I know what it's like. So for me, it, I mean, it all, it all boils down to being Rosie Kate and being this kind of girl and practicing what I preach. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have to tell people who I am and what I enjoy and that identify the way I do because it's so ingrained and like like yourself it's so ingrained it is part of who you are you can't turn it off you've probably thought about turning off for other people yeah you can't because that will make you incredibly unhappy and your happiness is what's integral to you so when I come to actually telling people I'm quite upfront and honest about it and I I'm upfront and honest because I don't want them to waste their time I don't want to waste my time on somebody and I don't want somebody to think they're getting something they're not, which I think is not fair either. So I usually say, look, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a bisexual woman. This is how I identify. And although I enjoy being monogamous with a man, I still like to uh, have sex and enjoy intimacies with women. Um, And I'm an open relationship coach. It's what I know about. It doesn't mean that I'm living that life 24 seven mm-hmm. and sleeping with lots of guys and doing, cause that's where a lot of people's, their mind goes, you know, they think, oh my God, she's promiscuous. I can't trust her. She's never going to settle down. No, like it doesn't mean that. What it means is I'm open, I'm honest. And this is my lifestyle. I don't expect a partner to be living it with me. If they want to, then fine. And I am happy to compromise in certain areas. Um, but it is so integral to me and so important that I just lead with it usually. But I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm very sympathetic around it as well. Mm-hmm. And I certainly, one thing I don't do, which I used to do is 
lead with it. Oh, you know, I'm bisexual. Would you like this? Would you like that? No, that bisexuality is for me. That ain't Mm -hmm. for you boys. That's my thing. That's my sexuality. And I own that. And if I let you be part of that, that would happen much further down the line, which is a realization. Because I'm sure there's some guys who are like, oh boy, this could be fun. No. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, you know, I do understand where their mind mind goes there, but that's why I say, you know, look, I identify as bisexual mm-hmm. and I am I am gonna fuck another woman, just so you know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but um I do that on my terms because that's my life and it's been part of me since I've been about, you know, a teenager. So mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. I'm a very direct woman. (laughs) And I have seen that. That's absolutely amazing. So we've gotten through the vulnerability part and opening yourself up. Mm -hmm. And now, if I was part of a couple, I'm ready to give it a try, but don't Mm -hmm. know where to start. Mm -hmm. Where do I go from here? So the first thing I always say to people is, start looking online there are some really great swinger websites out there there's some dating sites you can make a couple's profile and just start engaging and start getting an idea for what it is you because one of the biggest problems that people have at, at this stage is well I want to do it but I don't know what I want to do and I don't know what I'm comfortable with so I say okay well in that case join a swinger lifestyle website join a community visit a social start chatting and start putting yourselves out there and um you know find out what the couples are doing find out what they enjoy find out these definitions educate yourself as much as possible um make a couple's dating profile um <laughs> i will help you with that <laughs> that's mm-hmm. one of the, that's one of the many things that i do that i offer people making a uh, attractive swingers dating profile um and just start getting involved in the lifestyle that way and from there usually things naturally progress and you kind of talk to people you'll meet people you like talking to them you'll you'll kind of meet people who you don't really connect with um and then a few months down the line you might be invited to parties you might start going to an event so it, it, it naturally evolves if you're both heading in that direction and you're both investing your time and effort into it and enjoying it then it, it all naturally pro- uh, progress I know how much trouble I had setting up a Bumble profile yesterday. Okay, okay. I mean, I was terrified with what I was going to put on there. And it's Mm -hmm. been a while since I've been on Bumble. Uh, I've been on OkCupid and on Plenty of Fish. And one of the Bumble questions uh, said, you should swipe right if, and I said, if you know what FET is and you have an open mind about it. Okay. Okay because that most people go ah oh, fat life okay i see what he's into yeah nice but now you're talking about a couple setting up a profile yeah where do you i'm trying to imagine <laughs> what that would look like so could you give me what a typical couple's profile success story might be okay so um a typical couple's profile i always say Making a swinger dating profile is no different to making a regular dating profile. People judge it on your username, they judge it on your pictures, and they judge it on, you have a few seconds to capture someone, essentially. Mm -hmm. So um, you want to appear as a rock solid, um, 
a couple, you don't have to have been in the lifestyle a long time, but a rock solid couple who know what lifestyle entails. So always promote yourself in a positive manner. So it could be um, Mr. and Mrs. Kinky or uh, the sexy swingers next door or um, the Jones at number 10 or something like that. <laughs> you know, so, something that's, you know, sexy, suggestive, but quite kind of wholesome, if you like. Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't put big dick wet pussy swingers you know because that's just not that's not attractive um and then for your for your pictures some people include pictures of their faces but I always say as long as it's a picture of the two of you together um and a few pictures from vanilla life you don't have to have pictures of your faces you can have kind of artsy uh black and white uh shots um pictures of you in different outfits nothing explicit people think that in order to attract people, they need to put explicit pictures. No, you absolutely don't. If they like you, their minds will already go there. So then you put on a few pictures and you say, hi, we're Mr. and Mrs. Kinky. Um, we are relatively new to the lifestyle, but we know what we enjoy and we would like to meet you know, uh, couples up to the age of 40 who are into BDSM, dom sub, um, dynamics, clubs in certain areas, whatever it is they enjoy. And I always say to people, what you need to put is not only what you like, but what the other people are getting by playing with you or meeting you, you know, what you're getting. A sexy, successful married couple um, who are available on one weekend a month or two weekends a month, who are discreet and enjoy rope play, um, you know, orgies, gangbang, whatever it is that they enjoy. Um, and, you know, we like polite conversation, happy to meet up for dinner, happy to go out for drinks. And this is what other people are getting so they can see because very often people, they just list, a, they put a huge list of what they want without really telling people what they're going to get. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's that's essentially how to make a great one in a nutshell um and then you have to when people reach out to you you have to email back and message back um and be engaging and be polite and one tip i always say to people is move that conversation from that online world from that email exchange from that swinger dating site into a zoom call into a whatsapp chat if, especially if it's a couple with another couple move it into something where you can check that they are genuine move it into a four-way voice call you know have have a date with them have a whatever it is but get from behind the screen and into real life because there are a lot of time wasters out there um and that's that's my top tip <laughs> are there any red flags that come up that you know of that you can teach people about going if you see this you might want to kind of keep an eye out oh hell yeah so online um if a if you're approached by a couple um and they say uh we really like your pictures do you have any more um perhaps perhaps it's genuine you submit a picture they say okay have you got any more have you got any more and it's relentless and relentless and they're asking for more explicit more explicit more explicit that is a massive red flag. Another red flag is if you arrange that voice call, that date, that Zoom call, and it's only one participant joins, then chances are the wife 
she doesn't even exist mm-hmm. um and also if it's always oh you know my wife's lost her phone my wife doesn't have whatsapp my wife doesn't no 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 mate your wife don't exist let's let's just cut the bullshit <laughs> here um so again that's another red flag um another one is and i'm sure i don't even need to tell people this but if people only have very explicit shots on their dating profile again like I don't want to know what your asshole looks like. So please don't show me. <laughs> that is that is not your face, sir. I'm pretty sure that's not your face. Um, but again, like if that's what they're gonna put, what kind of person is behind that asshole? Another one, probably. Do you have, and I don't know where this question's coming from, other than my strange mind, do you have a favorite picture that you've ever seen on a couple's profile that made you go? Wow. Yeah, they get it. In my personal life, I quite like um, dom-sub relationships because I'm quite dominant. I'm not going to, you probably guessed that. I'm, I'm a dom. So that's how I get down in my, in my personal life. Um, and when I have looked at profiles, that um, that dynamic really does appeal so if I see pictures of and I don't know whether you know this but my my thing is thigh high boots I absolutely love them I wear them I have them worshipped I fucking love them that's my thing (laughs) so for me if I see a woman in her boots and she's standing on a sub or he's licking them or whatever it is that is incredibly sexy um, and that would definitely make me want to message Noted. (laughs) (laughs) And when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want with Rosie Cage, this kind of girl, as opposed to that kind of girl, we're going to talk (laughs) about that kind of thing that you can do to follow her and the amazing program she has when we come back. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey, and good luck. Hello, all you dear listeners of this amazing show. My name is Anya, and I also have a podcast called Sexualchemy. And I would love for you to come discover what we're doing over in my little sliver of the world talking about sex, our paths to figuring out our most authentic expressions, unshaming all aspects of it, and generally just creating community around people who want to explore whatever their most authentic sexual expression is. So I hope you enjoy listening. I hope you reach out. 
and I hope you become part of my little community that I love so much. Join Anya for Sexual Alchemy and listen to my episode. It was an amazing interview. Sexual Alchemy with Anya, available where you get your podcasts. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show. Joined by Rosie Kay, this kind of girl. But this kind of girl wasn't always this kind of girl. This has been a journey for you over the last 10 years, because from what I understand, your mindset now wasn't always your mindset back then. No, absolutely not. So a lot of people think that I fell into being this kind of girl very easily, it came very natural to me. Um, I want to tell you today your audience today that that is absolutely not how I started if we rewind the clock back to 10 years um previous I was everything men don't like about women I was hugely insecure I was hugely clingy I was jealous I was needy I was all those things which I now teach people not to be I could not handle the fact that my partner might talk to somebody else, in a, even in a professional setting. I was absolutely terrified he was going to leave. This was even before we started the singing. I thought he was going to leave me. I had no self-confidence, no self-belief. I thought that little of myself that I could not see, understand why he was with me. And it pains me now to think I was like that. Um, so when we had the, uh, the swing conversation, I really had to dig deep. I had to overcome so much self-comparison and insecurity and really put my fears, um, put them out there, but also, you know, put them to one side and move forward. Um, you know, I used to deny what I truly enjoyed out of fear of upsetting my partner because I thought if I voiced what I wanted and if I voiced these things, he might leave me. Um, which I think is what a lot of people experience. And it's only, I say only, but it's taken me 10 years to get to the point where I now teach people um, who were the old version of me. You know, my, a lot of my clients come to me and they're in that position that I was in. But that's a really good thing because it means I absolutely understand where they're coming from. And now I teach them how to overcome the same obstacles that I did um, in order to lead a life which is, um, open, honest, and ethically non-monogamous, regardless of whether they're in a relationship or not, but is um, true to themselves. What was it that allowed you to have the courage to be able to make that transition? Um, I really wanted to explore bisexuality because it it is part of me. It is who I am. And also my partner at the time, he, he's the one who brought the shall we start swinging conversation to me. Um, and once I realized that actually 
it didn't spell the end of our relationship. It didn't spell disaster. It didn't mean he was going to run off with somebody else. And actually, once I realised that by opening up our relationship, he loved me even more for it, and I loved him for accepting me as bisexual. So we both got what we wanted out of the relationship, and we both grew, and we both... Uh, fell in love much you know deep with each other and, and grew our connection because I realized that all the other people in the club men and women they couldn't compete with what we had because it was so unique to us and so special and once I realized this that's when I started approaching it from a completely different angle and then from being desired by others and from people going wow you know when people kind of told me what it was I brought to the party, so to speak, that's when it clicked. That's when I realized, oh my God, I am worthy of being here. I, I do know kind of what I'm doing in my, in my sexuality. And I do know, um, I'm not gonna say know how to kind of perform sex acts, but like, you know, I am a sexy woman and I have uh, got a handle on my sexuality and what I enjoy. And it was like, my eyes were just suddenly open to it and I was suddenly felt really empowered and really in charge and I was um that that was kind of part of the process for me um a turning point and I just realized that swingers were not in the clubs to fall in love with each other and run off with each other because they have all of the emotional attachment they want in one another you know, you don't go to a club because you're on the lookout to ditch your partner and offer somebody. You go to a club because you want to experience something or watch something or see something. Um, and that was a huge turning point for me. What would you say to the person who is in that position right now that they are scared and think that there isn't another world allowed to be out there? I would say, firstly, cut yourself some slack because a lot of the fears and the worries and the doubts you've built it up in your own mind and in reality it's never as scary as what you think I know what it's like if you're thinking oh my god I'd really like to try this but I'm scared of you know broaching it to my partner I'm scared of talking about it what if they leave me what if I jeopardize the relationship what if I ruin things that's a lot of what ifs if you've never spoken to your partner about ethical non-monogamy, then how do you know that they are gonna be so against it? If you tell yourself, oh, she'll never agree to that, he'll never agree to that, then that's very unrealistic. And also you have to think that if it's really important to you and if you really want to enjoy it, I don't believe that anybody should be the one to call time on what you should and shouldn't enjoy as a human. And I know I'm in a fortunate position where I can say this because that's how I live my life. I'm very much in control of it. And when I'm in a relationship, I kind of say, this is what's happening. Um, <laughs> we think, you know, there's compromise. But I just think that we don't own other people. We don't own their sexual experiences and it's not up to us to make them all happen. And if it's really important to you, then you should be able to go and enjoy it. Um, but I know what it's like to be absolutely terrified because I was that woman. Um, but if you've never broached the subject, you've never even gone down that route, then 
you can't really be sure on how they're going to react. And I always say the first thing you need to do before you get into the logistics and what's going to go where and who's going to suck what is start talking about love and honesty and your relationship and intimacy and then build it from there. Your journey to become this kind of girl is inspiring. It is awesome. And I have really enjoyed talking to you today. This was amazing. Please tell our listeners about what you have in store for them on social media and also some of the great things like club review and behind the scenes stories that you have. So a large part of my work is reviewing swinger clubs. I spend, this is not, this is probably the best job ever. I made it myself. Um, So I spend most of my weekends traveling around the UK, visiting and reviewing swinger clubs, kink parties, fetish events, swinger socials. That's what I do. I review them and then I um, also write behind the scenes um content about kind of what I get up to this is a little bit of something for my members only so if you've never been to a swing club or you're not sure how people get down or what they enjoy different scenarios you can find out about it in the reviews and the members only so this is one of the areas uh, that I, I do work in uh, I also do um, an awful lot of work on banishing stigma uh, within the ethical non-monogamy lifestyle, kinky lifestyles, and um, swinging lifestyles. So on social media, that's what I do. Um, I educate people. Um, I also do an awful lot of work um, in my coaching as well. I have coaching clients. I coach couples. I coach single women. I coach single men. And I take you from being an absolute beginner to getting your foot through the door whether you're a single person or part of a couple um and that's another area of work that I do and I've also I have so much going on I mean it's not a bad thing Uh, I also have my own TKG club community which I'm really excited about born uh out of my desire to create a safe space for people who identify as ethically non-monogamous um regardless of whether you're polyamorous, you're gay, you're straight, you're bi, you're a man, you're a woman, it really doesn't matter. You can be a swinger or in an open relationship. The only thing that kind of keeps, the only kind of recurring thing is that you identify as ethically non-monogamous. It doesn't matter how you do it. And my TKG club community is people who want to meet other, meet other members, chat, engage, you get to watch my uh, behind the scenes Uh, videos that I do because I do an awful lot of um, kind of Rosie's video diaries which tells people what my life is really like and experiences I've had and both positive and negative Um, so that's what you get in the TKG club Um, I've also started writing ebooks which you can find on my website uh, thiskindofgirl.co.uk I have a complete guide to ethical non-monogamy I also have a guide called how to talk to your wife about starting swinging Um, and I also have uh, directories of UK swinger clubs and how to visit them as well and I'm now working on volume two because I've visited that many clubs. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm a busy woman. <laughs> well, you are a fascinating woman. And Rosie Kay, it has been an absolute joy getting to hear your story and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, makes me wish I was over in the UK to <laughs> be able to say hello. 
uh, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Please stay in touch. And uh, I shall. I, we hope to see you again sometime soon. It will be lovely. Thank you so much for having me. What a delightful woman Rosie Kay is, and she is doing such great work when it comes to breaking the stigma of ethical non-monogamy. Fantastic conversation, and I look forward to seeing how she's able to continue her amazing journey. A quick word as we finish tonight's show. We're doing a fundraiser for the show to allow yours truly to get out and network and do some live interviews as we head to the end of 2022. This will include my opportunity to teach my kindness and authenticity classes as well. The spots you hear on the show are all freely given to people who have been guests on the show to promote their efforts. We have not generated ad revenue because I've always pictured this project to be a labor of love. But sadly, over the last few months of this year, I've hit a rough patch where all the money that I had saved to go to these conferences was put towards unexpected bills from a pair of freak car accidents where I was unexpectedly hit. I mention this because I want you to know that when I ask for your support, it's a genuine ask. And I appreciate the people who have donated already. You can do so as easily as visiting bit.ly slash catsuitcon, short for catsuit conferences. Yes, I get the irony. bit.ly slash catsuitcon, C-A-T-S-U-I-T-C-O-N, to help out. Next week on the show... From the world of professional wrestling to the land of OnlyFans, Solo Darling's journey has been filled with challenges she didn't deserve and triumphs she fought to achieve. From the woodland creature she was to the amazing energetic presence on screen now, her story is one that will definitely inspire you. Solo Darling, next time on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram. And for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.